0: or connecting with people through Life Groups and Pocket Churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to LifeChurchGreenBay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. All right, open your Bibles to
1: Luke chapter 11. Luke 11, if you don't have a traditional Bible, but you'd like one and you're comfortable, just raise your hand and one of my friends here will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. You can also open up the YouVersion app, or it's also called the Bible app, and all the notes and scriptures, those have already been uploaded, of course, we'll also put them up on the screen behind me. If you're watching us online at one of our other sites or at one of our services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, I love you guys, and I'm so glad that you are a part of our family. So as you saw on the screen, and as Pastor Shelby said, we're starting a new series of messages today, and I want to really start by just asking one single question. Have you ever seen something someone else had and wanted it? <laughs> I'm not just talking about material, because uh, there's lots of material things that people have had that I've seen that I wanted, like houses. Anytime I see a house on the water, I want that house on the water. We, we bought a little boat years ago, and uh, last summer we were kind of going down the water, kind of Lake Michigan-esque in Door County. And did you ever, there's some houses you can only see, from the water, and, and I would look at those houses, and i just go, my gosh, how does somebody get a house like that, and my wife said, it's just, she just goes, old money, and I just thought, I need some old money, like I need to, or new money, either I could get new money, and then I could just buy an old house, and then maybe people would think I have old money, I see houses a lot of times, I want them, or cars, man, I, I love, anybody who knows me knows I love, you can't be from Detroit and not love cars. So when I see a Rolls Royce, did you know when you get, did you know, sidetrack, that uh, when you get a Rolls Royce, one of the options, you get to build that mug out. And when you, uh, first of all, did you know that they're hand-built Rolls Royce? That uh, if you want a pinstripe, there's one cat. He'd been working there like 50 years. One cat does the pin- by hand. I said, man, the devil is a liar. I just, I'm like, I want him to put my... Signature. He'll put anything you want in the pinstripe. And he does it by hand. And there's one guy in the whole world who does it. And I was like, dog, if that guy dies, nobody gets a pinstripe for the rest of their life. But when you build your Rolls Royce, you can have the carpet be mink. Did you know that? I said, well, bougie. I feel like I'd have to put my house shoes on before I could even get in the car. There's an option where you can press a button and an umbrella comes out. And I was like, if it rains, I don't feel like I should drive. at all. Never mind drive a Rolls Royce. Or if I see a Lamborghini, I I want a Lamborghini, except I feel like I'm too big for a Lamborghini. And I would just look awkward getting in. The doors would come up and then I would look so weird trying to either get in. Definitely it would look weird. I would just have to fall out of a Lamborghini. Or if I see a 69 Chevelle SS, you better stop. A 64 Lincoln Continental with the suicide doors, man, I'll run around this place and scream my head off. I see that stuff, I want it, but I'm not just talking about material in this message. It's more than that. Maybe it's somebody's appearance. I want her eyes, her nose, his hair. <laughs> Maybe it's a relationship. I wish, I wish our marriage. I wish my kids. Like, like, have you seen some of the kids on social media? My daughter Aubrey follows Kylie Jenner's daughter Stormy on Instagram. A good grief. That kid makes me want to be a Kardashian. She's like the Ric Flair of Bailey's baby. She's the styling, profiling, limousine, riding, jet, flying, kiss, stealing, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun. Maybe someone's personality is what you want. You say they're so outgoing, they're so confident, they're so funny. Maybe for you it's someone's peace. They're just so cool, calm, collected. H- have you ever seen something someone else had and wanted it? That's, that's the big idea for this entire series, because if you're feeling that, you're not alone. Jesus' disciples, they felt the very same thing, and I want to talk about that today in a message that we're calling The Blueprint. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're grateful to you. Thank you for who you are, what you do, God, thank you for this day, even though it's like so cold, it feels like we're being judged by the devil. God, I pray right now. thank you for heat that we have in this place. Thank you for my friends who are here who, who bring warmth in their own way. Thank you for that worship that we had today. God. Thank you like for this, this atmosphere that has been here, like the last number of weeks, this what we in the church would call this anointing God, how your holy Spirit has been permeating this place in a new way, in a fresh way. God, I pray today that not just in this message, but in this series, that you would infiltrate our hearts and our minds, that they would be changed, made different, adjusted, made more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, the disciples, kind of, uh, I mean, not the main characters of the Gospels, but definitely kind of the main, kind of the main supporting Characters, if it were if it if they were filmed on an iPhone, Jesus would be the one in focus, and then they would just kind of just be. Have you seen this commercial with the guy? He's just a little bit. That would be the decide. They're just kind of a little bit out of focus, but they're more in focus than us. They're closer to the camera than us in the story. It's just it's just twelve guys who followed Jesus around for the better part of three years. Twelve Jewish guys who were brought up devout or religious, who were brought up very. Spiritual. 12 guys who grew up seeking God and studying God. You probably know this, but at some point, uh, every one of those guys would have memorized the Torah, the the law. That's the first five books of the Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. At some point in their life, they would have memorized all five of those books. Yet, Yet, even with all of that, when they saw Jesus praying, they saw something, and they wanted it. We, we see it in Luke chapter 11. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. These guys who, who'd prayed hundreds of times, who'd spent their entire lives praying, said, Lord, teach us hmm, how to pray. They saw something. They heard something. They, they felt something different. They they realized when it came to prayer, Jesus had something special and and it was intriguing to them. Not long ago, just just maybe a year before the pandemic, a huge survey was conducted and 250,000 Christians were polled and they were asked, what's one thing that you would change about your faith? 83% of the 250,000 Christians polled said that they wanted to learn to pray better. Hmm. You know, there's, there's really two kinds of prayer. There's, there's self-reliance and there's God-reliance. Self-reliance looks in the mirror. God-reliance looks to the cross. Self-reliance says I can take care of all this stuff on my own. God-reliance says I can't take care of any of this stuff on my own. The things that are happening in my life i can't handle them on my own have you ever felt like you have things going on in your life and it's trying to like catch the wind it's trying to manage it's trying to it's trying to to grip jello have you ever tried to ever tried to grip jello my son isaiah asked asked uh, my wife sunny if she would make him jello uh, the other day he he had never had what he would call Fresh Jello it had only Jello from a cup, so he was in the mood for Jello, and he he brought a box to Sunny, and he said, "Can you make me? Can you make me this Jello?" And so she she followed the instructions. She poured it in a bowl, and if you've ever made Jello, you know Jello has to set. He was so mad. <laughs> I don't know if he thought. There was a magical formula in the box that instantaneously turned crystals and water into jello, but he didn't understand why you had to wait overnight to get you some fresh jello. Have you ever tried to just, maybe it's just me and that's weird and it's, it's gross. Is anybody a texture person in here? I'm a text. oh, it's disgusting. I hate, that's why I don't have hair. I hate that. I just hate even the texture. I like the look of hair, but I don't, I don't, mm, mm-hmm. mm. Mm-mm. No, it's just it's weird to me. And, and so like, if you ever feel like you had something happening in your life that you just couldn't, you couldn't grab a hold of it, you couldn't manage it on your own, crisis has a way of bringing us to the cross, which is, which is great. But one of the challenges in that is that people who only pray in crisis tend to view God like he's a holy mechanic who only fixes our problems. Uh, what is it that keeps us from having a consistent prayer life outside of crisis? It's, it's easy to pray in crisis. It's, it's easy to pray, uh, dare I say, in a, in a pandemic. But how, how do we have a consistent prayer life when our marriage isn't going through challenges, when our finances aren't in disarray, when we are healthy? There's a number of things that keep us from having a consistent prayer life outside of crisis. You you feel ashamed, you feel obligated, you you, you think, I don't know what to say. Have you ever felt like, uh, like if you met somebody famous? Uh, My wife is infamous for meeting famous people. She meets famous people. And I think that God lets her meet famous people because he think it's funny. Because when Sonny meets famous people, she has a go-to line. you have a go-to line, some of you guys that are still trying to get a lady? You got, you got game, you got a little line. You tell her, hey, girl, did it hurt? Like, what hurt? When you fell from heaven because you're an angel, baby. <laughs> She's like, ugh, cringy, bro. No wonder you're single. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, has a go-to line when she meets famous people. She yells as loud as she can and tells them who they are. <laughs> we, saw, uh, we, we saw Billy Ray Cyrus. That's Miley's dad, by the way. We saw uh, Miley's a girl who used to be famous, and then her dad used to be famous. You never heard the song, Achy, Break Your Heart? Don't break my... Okay, that's Billy Ray, sorry. So now you with me? Let me give you a better one. She saw Dennis Rodman one time. Okay, Dennis Rodman used to play on the Bulls with a guy named Michael Jordan. So she met Dennis Rodman one time, or she saw him, actually, and he was going down the you know the moving thing. On the, on the airport, and she, Sonny was going the other way. She said, oh my God, you're Dennis Rodman! And just, that's, that's her. You ever meet famous people and you don't know what to say? Sometimes that's how you feel when you come to God. And you think, I, I, I mean, I don't know what to say. Like, I'm me, and he's him. Maybe you don't think he's listening. Maybe you think you don't want to bother him. Maybe you don't trust him. Maybe you don't think he's going to answer any of those situations are going to adversely affect uh, and determine the reflection of your prayer life. They'll determine whether you have a relational prayer life or you have a rescue prayer life. And I've bounced back and forth between those two. I've, I've had major hindrances to my personal prayer life, huge blows that rocked me. Like uh, the first job that I had in ministry, I got fired from. I didn't even know that I had done something that was fireworthy. I went and preached for a guy in Miami. I was a youth pastor in Memphis, and I loved it. I was like, man, I'm going to be here till the day I die, man. And, and we had gotten a new pastor like six months before that. He was just a couple years older than me. He was cool, man. Like the thing I remember about him, is him and I went to the movie theater to see Braveheart together. And we were Assembly of God. You weren't even supposed to go to the movies. So the fact that I went to the movies with my pastor and it was a rated R movie, I said, oh, shoot, we're all going to hell now. And so like I just thought this cat was cool. And I went to preach for this guy who's like a hero of mine named Rich Wilkerson in Miami. And I just thought I was going to preach for him. But what I didn't know is that I was on an interview to be Rich's youth pastor. And I didn't know that until after I had preached. And it was the night before I was supposed to fly home. And so he offered me the job. And I said, oh, man, I'm so honored that you would offer that. But I really love where I am. I'm not interested. And he goes, oh, Shani, I already called your pastor. I was like, bro, what? Like, I told him that I was interviewing you. So I got home, and the dude brought me in his office. He's like, you're disloyal, and so you're fired. And, or uh, years ago, Pastor Sonny and I, we, we were uh, we've always been real estate people. We've always bought homes, sold homes, flipped homes, fixed them up, and... We were in that Florida market the first time it was real hot, and we were buying houses and flipping them and making a ton of money. And one time we bought a house, and a guy who was actually our mortgage broker, we were moving from Florida to Texas. And we had this house, and we had built it. We thought that we were going to keep it forever. And this guy who was our mortgage broker was like, hey, I got another house I'm going to close on, but if you'll let me carry this for like one month then I'll give you, we were gonna make like $100,000 on the house. It was insane, we were so excited. And then uh, we found out like four months later that that house was in arrears. He had never paid the payment. We thought that we were just waiting on a close date and we ended up having a short sale of that house and we lost tens of thousands of dollars. That tested my prayer life. Uh, uh, like 15 years ago, uh, Pastor Sonny and I went through a really difficult time in our marriage, and we almost got a divorce. We got separated. And you'll see a promo at the end of the message about a podcast that we've just launched that kind of talks about that. And when I thought, like, when you're a pat, like, it's bad when you get, like, a divorce at all. But, like, when you're a pastor and people think that you're going to get a divorce, then it, it's just like it uproots you. It rocks you. And it rocked. My personal prayer life, and that, that could have driven me away from God, or, or it could have driven me into His arms. And gratefully, each of those times I chose His arms because I already had a relational prayer life. That's what Jesus had. When the disciples looked at Jesus and said, Bro, teach us to pray, they, they had a different prayer life than Jesus had. And, and a lot of people are like that, they have a rescue prayer life. They don't talk to God until life hits the fan. But the key to a deep prayer life is relationship. Real prayer is driven by relationship, not crisis. I mean, need and crisis are going to arise. But if you're regularly praying in relationship, then the crisis is just going to drive you to the cross. But like God wants to talk to us all the time, but too many of us will only talk to him when we're in need. We're like kids in that way. If you got kids, you remember that uh, w- w- when we're little, we talk all the time. We spend the first like, year of our life wishing our kids knew how to talk, and the next every year of their life wishing they s- didn't ever learn. Like you go, oh my God, especially when they're little, and uh, you never thought that the word mommy could sound f- like foul. And you're like, shut up. Like mommy, 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 mommy. You're like, bro, I get it. You want peanut butter and Lion King. I know. That's all you want in life. Like when we're young, we talk all the time. Then when we become preteens, we talk a little less. When we become teenagers, we don't talk at all. When we become young adults, we talk in times of need. We we talk like when we need advice on relationships, careers, houses, cars. But then finally, when we have kids of our own, man, we talk all the time, we'll We'll burn our parents' phone up, won't we? Like, like, let your kid get a cough. The first thing you do is you pick up the phone and you, like, you act like your mama's web, web MD. She has no education. She fixed everything with peroxide and colloidal silver, but you feel like she's going to know how to stop whooping cough or the croup. Like, you just feel like you're going to burn up the phone. And we go through seasons of self-reliance, but in the end, we... We always circle back, whether that's with our parents or whether that's with God. And so so when it comes to prayer, where do we start? What should a relational prayer life look like? Well, in in Luke chapter 11, Jesus gives us the blueprint. He says, this is how you do it. He says, number one, start with worship. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, we see Matthew's version of the Lord's prayer. It's the same prayer, just different context. So, so he, he says, this then is how you should pray. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, that, that means to lift something up, to, to regard something highly, to worship it. Uh, we understand worship in this town, don't we? But, uh, we can be fair weather. Super Bowl is a bittersweet day. I thought about wearing Packers stuff. Felt like it was too soon. <laughs> Pastor Barry and I, my friend, we went, to, uh, we went to the last playoff game. We went with confidence, too. We went, we went in that mug. You know when you walk slow and tall, you know? We looked at 49 and 50 like, ha, 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 sucker. We walked in like this. Man, we walked out like this. Like, you know, you'd be kicking stuff on the ground, picking up trash around here. And, you know, I was disappointed. I haven't talked about it until now. I needed to go through a journey session so that I could get myself (laughs) to not trigger about it.
0: Pastor
1: Barry and I were walking out. And there's this guy with his homie, man. And, you know, first of all, they didn't have any clothes on. This is a true Wisconsinite. He had on a coyote on his head. A pair of firefighter pants, suspenders, no shirt. He was red, too. Like, he looked like, bro, you are going to be sorry tomorrow. And he was walking, and he, he was talking to the guy with him. You ever you know, hear guys? And uh, they act like they are uh, like they are sports radio. Like, they're, and he's got, well, let me tell you what the problem was. You know, he is instantaneously dissecting the game plan. Here's what he said. He goes, "You know what the problem is? Let me I'm going to tell you the problem is. Rodgers has never been a winner." <laughs> I looked at Barry and I go, "Never? He's he's never. He's he's never been a winner. Never. He had the, he didn't win four <laughs> MVPs. He's never been, I was like, come on, man, I know you're disappointed. The whole thing sucks, but let's be realistic. He's net. but that's how a lot of us treat God, isn't it? Something happens in your life. You came into a confident, went to the job interview, went on the date, went to the bank, wrote the business proposal, the business plan. You walked in like this, walked out like that, and you talked about, man, see, God doesn't ever. Come on. I know you're disappointed, but let's be realistic. And obviously, that's not what God is looking for. The Gospel of John tells us what he's looking for. It says, a time is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. There's a difference in our attitude and our atmosphere when we worship. Worship establishes position. It establishes where we are and where he is in regard to our relationship. And so God's looking for people who will honestly, humbly love him. And that starts by starting our prayers with worship. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Next, when we pray, we should fully surrender. Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And mm, that is hard for a lot of us. We want control. This idea of fully surrendering is putting ourselves at the feet of the cross and giving away control of everything, our hopes, our dreams, our agendas, our schedules, our relationships, our authority, our gifts, talents, finances. And it's hard. I mean, it was even hard for Jesus while he was getting ready to go to the cross, even though he knew that he had to do this his entire life, even though his whole life had led up to this very moment, he struggled to surrender all. The Bible says going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup, be taken from me yet not as I will but as you will Wow! talk about practicing what you preach he's literally living out the words from his prayer in real time he's saying your kingdom come your will be done he was saying I want one thing but you want another thing and so what you want is more important not as I will but as you will and it's not the first time that he said those words you go back to his teaching about prayer and right after he tells the disciples to worship or hallow the name of God, he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was able to practice what he preached because he was already accustomed to surrender. Here's what's crazy is in the heat of the moment, you'll always default to what you've done in the past. So. So if when you get into difficult times, you take the controls back from God and you practice self-reliance, you'll try to control the narrative of your life. And it's not easy for us to surrender. It it takes practice. Every every coach will tell you uh, how you practice is how you're going to play. Practice is seldom fun. Remember when my son Isaiah started playing football, he was in first grade and we were living in Texas, the Mecca of football. And, and for the first week of practice, they didn't do anything other than work on their stance. Every day, stance. Ms. coach would say, sit in the chair, six inch step. Sit in the chair, six inch step. Sit in the chair, six inch step. Finally, after four days of two hour sessions of learning their stance, after four days of two hour sessions of sit in the chair, six inch step. One of the dads said, coach, when we going to start hitting? The coach was such a coach too, just standing there, hands in his pocket, watching the kids. He turned around, he said, hey, dad, why would we start hitting before we even know how to get into a proper stance? I love when people don't even say before. He said it like that, before we even learn how to get into a proper stance. For the stance, Becomes second nature. Hey, dad, how about you trust the process? First of all, I was like, you just got owned in front of everybody with your middle school football self. Shut up. (laughs) I was like, I was so glad that I didn't say it the day before (laughs) when I wanted to say it. And you know what? More than a decade later, Man, Isaiah is going through the college recruiting process right now, and he's got all these schools that are calling him and coaches that are talking to him. And one of the things that the recruiters comment the most about him is how good his stance is, that it is perfect, that it never changes no matter how tired he is. Trust the process. Fully surrender, Jesus said. Next he said, pray with confidence. He said, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Jesus could pray with confidence because he'd already worked the steps. He said, Father, forgive us because we've already forgiven. When when we've already worked the steps, we don't have to beg or bargain. We don't have to speak our prayers through failure. We can speak our prayers through faith. Jesus wasn't the only one who understood that concept. The writer of the book of Hebrews He understood that too. He said, we don't serve a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he didn't sin. So let us approach God's throne of grace, watch this, with confidence, So we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He was saying our high priest Jesus, he worked the steps, including carrying our sins to the cross, covering them with his blood, burying them in the grave and leaving them there. But he didn't die so that you could be defeated. He died so you could be delivered. Delivered from sin and shame. And later, Jesus' brother James would identify that idea of Jesus dying to deliver deliverance when he said the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, and it produces wonderful results. And so, when you pray, pray with confidence. Don't back into your prayer time. Boldly step into it. How do you do that, though? That's, that is a million-dollar question, isn't it? Here's how. Make your prayers personal, not formal. Boy, we come from a culture of formal prayers, don't we? Memorize prayers, books of prayers, and prayers in frames and prayers that have been memorized during our confirmation hearings and matthew chapter 6 says it again this is from matthew's version of jesus teaching he says when you pray don't babylon like people from other religions do they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again don't be like them your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him and the first time i read that i thought what are you like? Have you ever been around somebody who's praying and wondered if they ever even meant <laughs> what they were saying? Like they were like they were praying for dinner. You ever been around people who pray for dinner, and they, they got a set a set dinner prayer, or, the, or they were saying the, their bedtime prayers. People got uh, set bedtime. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Some of you know that, and 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 they've prayed that prayer so many times that they can almost. Mumble it, it's wrote, it's memorized, and and you think, like, what are you saying? Is that a is that a script? Do you even mean what it is that you're saying? But on the flip, I've been around other people and wondered, oh my gosh, when is this prayer gonna end? (laughs) Are you trying to use all the words? Are we going for a a triple word score? And they've been praying, I've been like, bro, we get it, you've read the dictionary. And so Jesus. He hits that right on the head. He, he heads them off at the pass, and he tells his disciples, bro, don't do that. Why? Because your father already knows. And I wonder if you're like me, you, you, you've heard that last line, and you go, well, hold up a minute. Like, if he already knows, do I even need to pray? I mean, like, what's the point? If, if he already knows what I'm going to say, why, why do I need to waste the words? You, you ever been around an old couple? They've been married, like, forever, and, and they don't even need to talk. They're just, my folks been married almost 60 years. If my mom wants the remote, she don't got to say, hey, Keith, let me get that remote. She could just be looking at the TV and say like this. And my dad will grab the remote. And it's like, I'm like, do you guys have ESP? Like, what is going on? Are you telekinetic? Are you? But they just know. They've just been together long enough. And sometimes it's like you've been saved so long that you feel like, mm, do, I, uh, do I even need to? Like, what's the point? Well, here's the point. Uh, prayer, prayer isn't actually for God. Prayer's for you. It's building your relationship with him. He's, he's calling us. He's telling us, come. And talk to me, like like I love talking to my kids. They're teenagers now, so those those conversations they get a lot more spread out than they used to be. But I love the opportunity anytime I get to sit down uh, side by side and get to have a conversation with my kids. And, and you know what's interesting about my kids is they'll tell me the same stuff I mean over and over and over. And and when they do. I don't interrupt them and say, bro, well, like I know that, like you've already told me that story like five times. I don't do that. You know what I do? I listen. And when I listen, I act like it's the first time I've ever heard them say that. Cause you know what? It's not an interview. It's a conversation. I don't talk to my kids because I'm mining for information. I talk to my kids because I love the sound of their voice. And that's God. He's not mining you for information. He knows. He just loves the sound of your voice. Or uh, like, I know that my wife loves me. We just, uh, two days ago, we just celebrated 26 years. And and I love the sound of her voice more now than I ever have. I know that she loves me more now than I ever have. But you want to know something? I still love hearing it. God may know your thoughts, but he still loves to hear your voice. And so what I wonder today is when is the last time he heard yours? And, and not because you needed to be rescued, but just because you wanted a relationship. That's how you should pray. That's the blueprint. Would you close your eyes all across this place? I, you know, the blueprint starts with the foundation and the foundation to having a relational prayer life, or any prayer life for that matter, is to uh, enter into a relationship of salvation, a saving relationship. I think sometimes in church we, we, uh, we skim past that, this idea of doing church because, yes, you want people to grow, but because you want people to come to, to, to Jesus. Jesus. One of the things that I've loved about the last nine years here at Life Church is the idea that I can't remember the last time a week went by and nobody got saved. I think God just trusts us with people. And so I wonder if you're here and, and we've been trusted with you. God has trusted us with presenting you with the opportunity to enter into a relationship with Him. He's always wanted it. Since before you were born, before you were in your mother's womb, the Bible says He knew you and He loved you, He's been waiting to enter into a real relationship with you your entire life. And, and maybe today is the day where that moment has culminated. Maybe, maybe something happened during worship. Maybe something happened during the prayer time. And, and uh, you felt a, a, a bubbling in your heart. And you were like, I don't know what is happening, but I know that something needs to change. So today we want to give you the opportunity to do that. We want to give you the opportunity to change your life, to surrender it, to Jesus in the relationship called salvation. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you'd like to before you leave, we're gonna give you the opportunity just a moment by doing two things. So just a moment uh, with nobody looking around, I'm gonna ask people to do two things. First is to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. When when you raise your hand, that's just your confession saying that I'm a sinner, but I don't wanna be anymore. And then I'm gonna ask everybody in here to repeat a prayer after me. And if you repeat the prayer, and you meet it in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so if you're here, you'd say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I'd like to before I leave this place with nobody looking around, would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me right now? Thanks, thank you, thanks, thank you, thanks, thanks. Okay, I'm gonna ask everybody in here to repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life, but I don't want it in there anymore would you change me? Would you forgive me? Come into my life. Make me different. Make me new. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and you've never done that before, it's like the greatest decision that you've ever made in your life, and the Bible says that heaven erupts like there's a huge party that just Uh, Broke out in heaven with seven layer dip and all the stuff like this heaven is tripping right now because of you And so we want the opportunity to connect with you and to help you make this relationship stick And so if you take that card that's in the seat back in front of you that says hello across the top you can tear off the bottom part fill out whatever you're okay with and put it in the offering when it comes around at the end or you can scan the QR code on the seat back in front of you or the QR code on the screen either way we want the opportunity to uh, connect with you, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes one more time before we receive the Lord's tithes in your offering. I wonder if you're here and you say, "Sean, like I'm am saved. I have a relationship with the Lord." Uh, but maybe you're like those 83 percent of people. You say, "Bro, like I, I need to change the way I pray." Uh, and if that's you, I want to pray for you. I, I, the, I spent the first decade of my life having a terrible prayer life, and it affected how I viewed God. So if you're here and you say, "Sean, I would like to change." The way that i pray with nobody ground. would you just raise your hand so i can pray for you yes yes jesus for my many friends who are in this place i pray blessings over them i pray that they would connect with you like they never have before god that they would feel this relationship with you that's so real that's so rich that's so relevant god i pray that it would move us change us direct us towards you in jesus name amen
0: hey thanks for joining us this week Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.